Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, one of the core tenets of tipping pitches, the tipping pitches podcast that we're recording right now and that people are listening to right now. One of the core tenets of that podcast is giving the people what they want, not trying to anticipate what some amorphous majority of baseball fans out there want to talk about. We're talking about niche things here. And so there's no sense in me doing a cold open of dumb jokes about anything other than you taking a photograph, a literal photograph that can be shared far and wide with mysterious A's owner, John Fisher, who very rarely makes public appearances anywhere. You, the person sitting in this room with me, put your arm around John Fisher <laughs> and took a photograph. After years, years of us making fun of how he's some dark money billionaire who doesn't show up anywhere, the one A's game that you chose to go to for the last three years, John Fisher was also there. I don't even know what else to say. <laughs> That's yeah, you kind of said it all. We have deliberately not talked about this yet. <laughs> yeah, you you were uninterested in hearing about it until you could hear about it live on the podcast. So this is this is Bobby unfiltered right here. Every podcast is Bobby <laughs> unfiltered. Unfortunately, I guess I guess it's good. Um I got to know everything. I just have to know everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Where were you? That you saw him. How did you know that he was there? How did you know for sure it was him? How did you make the approach? Did you use Gabriella as a wing person? <laughs> a wing woman? For approaching A's owner John Fisher and asking to take an ironic photograph with him. Did he see the shirt? Did he read the shirt? Did he understand what the shirt meant? Did he like you? Was he funny? Did he smile? Did he laugh at any of your jokes? Like, please tell me every single thing that you can remember right now. Go. I feel like I'm doing like a like a recollection for like the FBI, you know, when they're like they're trying right, I'm to like put doing together a like sketch. a sketch. Yeah. Yeah. That is what's happening. So I was at an Oakland A's game. <laughs> I was there with my with my two parents, whom I love very much. And uh we had we had gotten the tickets through a family friend of ours who actually works in the A's PR department. Mm. Um, so wow, they, so you're in the pocket of big A's already. Okay. I am. Yes, I'm getting comped tickets. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm I'm getting photo opportunities with the A's. Like I'm I'm flying a little close to the sun here. Right. And said family friend had had come down to. Talk with us for the first couple innings. Just we had not seen him in a while, and um, and so we were we were catching up, and he was he was regaling us with with stories of of life on the A's PR side, which I'm sure you, as you can sure. imagine, is a is uh, is a ride. Was he like, thanks for all your help with that? <laughs> it's like you're really helping me do my job. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I, I think it was probably the uh, in the second inning or so that he turns around 
And he turns to me and he says, hey, do you know what John Fisher looks like? And I turned around and I said, that, <laughs> that is what he looks like. Okay, wait, where were you sitting? Like field level box seats it, there style? Was like, it was like field level. Um, it was like field level behind the, the home dugout. So it was pretty close to the field. I was, here, let me put it this way. I had to turn around to see the A's owner. Right. So I was sitting closer to the field than this man. Which, wow. Which once again, I'm really, I'm really showing who I am right now. You're being exposed on the podcast right now, but mm-hmm. well, that that's for later. We need to hear the rest of the story. We haven't even gotten to the good story. <laughs> which is his physical description. <laughs> um I I said yes, that's Bomb that ass is, shoes. That's fucking <laughs> weird shoes. Folks on Twitter had a lot to say about how this man was dressed. Which well, I, they've never seen how he's dressed. I know, I know. You're the first person to have a photo with him. <laughs> you of all people. I, this is, it's like you're describing a dream right now. You know, I'm like, I'm not even really sure this happened. Well, if you're not really sure it happened, imagine how I felt mm-hmm. waking up to this. Right. Cause you're in London. You're right. like, what, eight, nine hours ahead of me? I was sitting courtside, my comp tickets from Novak Djokovic <laughs> at Wimbledon. Right. Naturally. I, so I, our, our our friend had to go and like do his, do his job. So he, so he departed. And so I spent about half an inning kind of plotting what to do <laughs> how to make your move right i was like i didn't bring a carton of eggs with me so that <laughs> one, i can rule that one out tomato <laughs> i i was wearing my steel bases not wages shirt um Which features one ricky henderson. one ricky henderson famous right. famously was on the oakland days so i'm plotting my approach right i you know and i was i was mulling over like do i go up and accost this man you know do i like a Almost like a citizen's arrest sort of thing, where I pull out my phone and say, yeah. "Sir, sir, how do you how do you answer for your crimes?" Yeah, and what made you not want to do that? <laughs> you being you, I I don't know. I kind of wanted to see the game. Yeah, I was, it was mostly I didn't even have a hot dog yet. Like I was I was I was interested in 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 seeing that, but but also as my as my dad rightly pointed out, like th- this man is a billionaire, likely cares very little about small little people like me who go to the right. games who work wage jobs work wage jobs <laughs> and who have to look at their checking account from time to time <laughs> right like if he goes on twitter he can see folks like myself just going in on him every single day right this is the fact that he There's is so many follow-ups he is but yes. disliked by by a number of A's fans is probably not news to him. And mm-hmm. what I mean, I suppose I could have tried to convince him of. Imagine you go A's up to him. Oakland, like yeah. Oh well, that's true. But imagine you go up to him and you're like, maybe don't trade Frankie Montas. <laughs> He's like, who is this guy? Well, you know, I mean, he would also be like, well, I'm not, I'm not the one making those decisions, right? He has like an easy out in a lot of this because he's like, yeah. oh, I just like own the team. I just signed the checks. You heard of Billy you know? Bean? Yeah. I decided that the, the picture with him featuring the steel bases, not wages slogan was, was maybe a little bit more uh, subversive, ironic than, than perhaps just going up and trying to convince a man whose net worth is like more money than I can just fathom. It's just like a number that I don't think is real, you mm-hmm. know, trying to convince him to like do something for, 
for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you were going to be the impassioned person to make the case to him that how he's running the A's is incorrect. Right. He was going to go home that night and take a long, hard look in the mirror and like, say, I got to go back to selling guy. jeans. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not cut out for this. <laughs> right. I, and okay. So he was sitting alone. He was, there was I no love one the Gap's else. jeans, by the way. This, those are the jeans that I wear. I wear Gap denim. Wow. Wow. Supporting John Fisher left and right, huh? You were the one that was at the comped box seat <laughs> tickets behind the stadium. Or yeah, behind that's the dugout. right. He didn't get any money from me. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so anyway. He doesn't need money. All that water that you're carrying for him. Come <laughs> hey, on. Hey, there we go. I, so he was sitting uh, uh, by himself. He, he was not in like a in like a suite or anything like that, right? He was just kind of in this uh, this sort of area between like a couple of the sections that are just, I, I, I guess they're box seats. I don't know what box seats actually, I don't know what the definition of box seats are. It's fine, it's so, not important. All right. So he was, he was sitting by himself, not in a, in a section, but just with other lay people, right? Mm-hmm. But in kind of one of the, the sectioned off areas that either VIPs sit in or, uh, or owners or, of the team, <laughs> owners of the team. Yes, exactly. Um, and he was sitting by himself, and there was no one there, like guarding the box seat to protect him <laughs> from from fans in- interested in throwing tomatoes or taking ironic photos. Okay. So, a in between innings, I walked up with with my my dad in tow, who I who I gave ample instructions on how to take the photo. I, <laughs> <laughs> which was just take many just hold like hold down that thing i want to get every right. like shade of his face you know right um and i and i walked up to him between innings and like as soon as he saw me and like made eye contact with me he like started to get up you know like to to greet me and my thinking is that he was really lonely <laughs> and he was kind <laughs> oh, of no. he was kind of excited that like someone recognized him you know <laughs> that someone like recognized yeah. him enough to be like hey you are the man who like owns all this like collects these checks and is the reason for my joy and my heartbreak you know mm-hmm. but like he just looks like a like a nobody you know he just looks wow. he just looks like a like a dude uh-huh you just went from humanizing him to putting him in a body bag in the span of like 30 seconds. Okay. I have important follow-up questions. Okay. Before we even get to the interaction where words were spoken. Had you consumed alcohol and if so, how much before approaching A's owner John Fisher? Uh, I think I had like half a beer. Okay. So very little. So you weren't like rolling up to him like, like nervously words. chugged like five beers before doing it. Right. Okay. No. That's good to know. I needed to be on my A game. Number two. Did nobody else recognize, like literally nobody else approached him in the time that you noticed? No. Okay. Continue. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> and I and I even, I, later on in the game, I, uh, I I went to get a hot dog from one uh, Hal the Hot Dog guy. Did you have to pay for that one or was that comp too? <laughs> Boo. <laughs> uh, it was from Hal the Hot Dog guy, who's, a, who's well-known on Ace Twitter. He's, a, right. he's an environmental economist and he also sells hot dogs at, at Ace Games. Uh, and I pointed out to him, I was like, hey, have you, so have you sold the hot dog to John Fisher yet? And he like turned around and he's like, oh, he actually is here. I was like, nice. Get <laughs> he was like, I think that's the second time this year. Um, so wow. like, so like no what one, the chances? again, he's wearing this like camo hat, like a hoodie, 
uh-huh. jeans, boots. No, they were sneakers. People were flaming the sneakers. Yeah, you're right. They right. look like Skechers. <laughs> no shade to Skechers? Nope. Just that's an observation. <laughs> so I so I walked up to him. I said, hello, Mr. Fisher. You called him Mr. Fisher? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Nice. I think I kinda on. I mean, I kind of did black out like during most of this interaction. Like you know? when I met Keith Hernandez. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and so I I stuck out my hand and I said, uh, I said, I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. You know, your work. Yes. The work you famously do. <laughs> Did he say which work? <laughs> no. The, like the sweatshop labor or like the movie The A's out of Oakland. Or, like he wasn't. The environmental degradation. He assumed that you were talking about the Oakland A's, right? Because you're A's. at an A's game. Right. I'm at an A's game. I'm wearing an A's hat. No, uh, no A's jersey? No jersey. I'd not brought. I'd not brought a jersey with me on the trip. Okay, but I. I, and and as I walked up, he glanced at my shirt, and I noticed this, and kind of just tried to like turn my body just like a little bit, because what I didn't want turn around and be like, but, oh, dad, what'd you say? <laughs> Walk, approach him, backing up. I mean, I figured I he was he was probably listening to me and focusing on the interaction anyway, so he wasn't gonna sit there and try and like process what was going on in it. But yeah. I also wasn't interested in having him be like, "What's on your shirt? What's on your shirt?" Or I mean, I actually I probably wouldn't have minded that, but you never know with these guys. Like the like the direction that could go in is like, "Oh, what's on your shirt? Huh? I roll. Oh, okay." Or like security. Security. Wow. Alex detained at an A's game for wearing a shirt. That'd be that'd be a story. That would be I sort of wish that happened, to be honest. Like I'm sort of mad he was cordial to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was very cordial. So I asked him, I said, hey, do you mind if I uh, grab a picture with you with you? And he was like, Oh yeah, of, of course. Just guys being That's dudes. My John, Just John Fisher John and Fisher Alex Baisley being dudes. Mm-hmm. So we so we took the picture, several photos. Um mm-hmm. I will be looking at all of those photos. Okay, so I'll airdrop them to you. You will right after this mm-hmm. recording. And then he, you know, he said, hey, "Hey, thanks for coming." And I said, "You know, I have a podcast." Oh yes, yes, yes. This is my next question. I was on the edge of my seat. I said, "I have a podcast." I think I, I believe I said it's about the economics of baseball, which was That's like funny, like maybe the only way I'd be able to sell him on this sort of thing, right. Is completely kind of obscure the, the, the true intentions that we have here. You know, yeah. we talk a lot about the economics of baseball. You cannot deny you should that. have just said it. It's about our passion for baseball <laughs> <laughs> and the way that that manifests. Right. It's again, none of these are lies. No, no. I said, we'd love to have you on <laughs> if you ever won. And he like paused for like, five seconds like trying to think of, like not that i was expecting this man to just be like oh, okay sure yeah here's my email and send me a you know i'll have my publicist set something up jay like, this fisher is the at the gap.com one, <laughs> who's done like one interview with media in like four or five years yeah god damn it it would be so funny if he said yes i know so he said well i i think i might need uh a few drinks in me before i do that and you should have said i'm buying I would. Well, I said okay. <laughs> yeah, we got Patreon money, buddy. Yeah, dude. 
we're rubbing elbows with John Fisher now. <laughs> and I like started to walk away. And again, like maybe this is me reading too much into this. You should have had a business card. That we need business cards. That would have been a good idea. Well, someone uh someone noted that I could have like slapped like a no billionaires in baseball sticker on his back, you know? Those basically right. act as business cards, right? I think that would have been a tough sell to get him on the pod. That's by true. By giving him that. That's but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess all three of our our non-unionize the miners designs like kind of directly implicate him, him? right? It's like an elephant standing on top of an owner. <laughs> an A the A's elephant A's, standing the A's on, on yes, exactly. The A and something that looks like the A's elephant standing on top of an owner. Right. I think it was his cousin or something. Right. Like like in the same phylum animal <laughs> kingdom. I don't know. Or family. Sure. Genus. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. I don't know anymore. All that to say, it it almost looked like he kind of wanted to like keep talking, right? You know, we could have been his only friends. We genuinely <laughs> could have. What a long con that would have been, you know. I just want to say, if John Fisher has since seen this photo, because it it did, in a weird way, like kind of go viral, right? A photo of you and Ace owner John Fisher. Stupid. Went yeah. all around A's Twitter, something that you've been a member of since you were like 14. Ridiculous. I, I d- did not enjoy it. Multiple people were like, uh, John Fisher, so tone deaf. Yeah. Also, multiple people were like, you know he's the bad guy, right? And I'm like... yeah. This is the thing that when we have a tweet that goes beyond like the hundred people that interact with all of our tweets is that they don't get it. Right. That's, that's the thing. That's the problem. To those people, I say, listen to the podcast. But... Despite all of that, and despite who we are, John, if you're listening, I'm willing to say, we will be friends with you. I will be your friend. Come on the podcast. Just do, you do one little interview. You see if you like it. Wow. Who's in his pocket now? No, you see if you like John it, John Fisher, I will be Alex, your friend. Please don't ruin this opportunity for us to get our new friend, John Fisher, mm-hmm. whom we respect and admire right. for, his, for all work. his hard work. In many industries, I mean, it's very rare that you have a titan of multiple industries. That's true. Please don't ruin the opportunity to get him on this podcast. Okay, that'll be our most listened to podcast ever, forever. Forever. Okay, literally getting an odor on the podcast. So does this put him at the top of the ranking of owners most likely to do our podcast? He is now the only owner that knows we have a podcast. <laughs> that's that's true. Yes. I did tell him what it was. I, I didn't see him write anything down. So I'm hoping his memory just is is real good. I mean, you don't get to the top without a sharp mind. That's true. <laughs> and a father who founded The Gap. I really hope he took it back to an assistant. It was like, I just out of curiosity, look these guys up. And they played like 30 seconds for him. Right. Yeah. That's kind of actually a horrifying hypothetical. Now that I think too hard about it. Uh-huh. Kind of don't want any owners to ever listen to this our, podcast. Our photos are currently being plastered all over, like <laughs> every major league baseball facility. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we're gonna get. Well, we did make it into the Mets game yesterday, so we're not True. blacklisted from Major League Baseball mm-hmm. just yet. Yeah, but that's Steve Cohen. He does. He's a renegade. We, if we try to get to another stadium, that will be the real tell. Yeah, that's true. Um. Okay. Is there anything else? Any final? Did he give you like a pat on the back? How was his handshake? Uh, it was medium firm. 
pretty pretty mid, I gotta say. Mid? Yeah. He had soft hands. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, he's m- moisturizing up the wazoo. Okay, yeah. Um, I would, you know... <sighs> Did he look pale? Just because he doesn't get outside very often. <laughs> Are you using color for your sketch? <laughs> like... <laughs> No, he looked like he had drank plenty of blood lately. Like he was <laughs> hydrated and everything. Yeah, I'd give his handshake like a like a six point five, like mm. like a sixty five out of a hundred. Right, exactly like sixty five. Like the amount of wins that the A's are going to have this year. That's very generous. <laughs> yeah, he's got to he's got to work on it. I hope he hears this and it it makes him. Just a little bit insecure about his handshake. Mm. I don't. I don't think he cares anymore. I don't really think he does. Either. We live in a Zoom world, you know. He doesn't need to shake hands anymore. That's true. Um, how are also, you? Fe- also, he's a literal billionaire. So, like, fuck whatever we think. Right? Yeah, exactly. How are you feeling? Like, how do you come away from the whole interaction feeling? I think my regret is not trying to get more out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, like I said, I think like going over and giving him peace of my mind as an A's fan would really only serve to like make me feel better. You know, I'm just like, oh, I can right. I can give this owner a a look into the worldview of an A's of a lowly A's fan, you know, but like it's not like it was gonna move the needle for him. No, you have to all. win his trust first before you can really make that right, exactly. appeal so, to his better manhood. So that's kind of really I, I regret not doing something a little more um, memorable, memorable, outlandish. Yeah, that you know he goes home at night and says, "Honey, you'll never believe what happened at the A's game today," <laughs> because he certainly wasn't like a kid took a picture with me. Yeah, a kid. <laughs> You're 26, 25. Sorry, don't want to age you. But I just didn't think that f- far ahead. You no, know, I yeah. Was, how, I was kind why, of just how like, could you? I was kind of just like. MLB owner must talk crazy (laughs) picture. (laughs) Okay. My final question, because we've now been talking about this for 25 minutes. Yeah. But what else would we talk about? Right. I was in London, dude. I didn't watch any baseball for the last two weeks. (laughs) You weren't at the, the home run derby X. I left the day before that. I left the day before it happened. Seems like you lucked out because a lot of people did not enjoy it. (laughs) Um, my last question is, if you were at another A's game and you saw John Fisher again, one, would you approach him? And two, do you think he'd remember you? I think I definitely would approach him. At mm-hmm. this point, I'm like... I like know, a seasoned vet, right? I'm a, I'm a seasoned vet. I know that he is open to someone like myself <laughs> coming up to him and and asking for a photo or a conversation or, or I, 25 male... <laughs> I'm wondering what the best way to approach my 65-year-old baseball owner is. <laughs> Advice? <laughs> Ask Reddit. <laughs> so I think, yes, I would approach him. And look, I'm not a very memorable person. Stop. But I feel like he would remember me again because he doesn't really go to A's games. Yeah. So like, it's not like he has that many fan engagement experiences to work off of. Right? Sure. Like, yeah. I think if I point it out, 
I think if I pointed out that I invited him on our podcast, he would probably say, oh, yeah, that's right. Still waiting on those drinks. Security. (laughs) This guy's following me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, this is just I feel like we might have we might have hit a little bit of a peak right here. Mm -hmm. This might be a peak for us. Yeah. And I guess the only way to to hit a higher peak than this is for me to meet Steve Cohen. Well, so this is what I was going to ask you is if you were in a similar situation, right? We were at the Mets game yesterday. You were wearing your unionize the miners t-shirt that happens to be in blue and orange. orange. Right. So you had the attire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You also, you maybe had one or two more drinks than I had had at that moment. (laughs) Wow. Some shots being fired. (laughs) What would you, what would you do if he was like right there, section over from us? Well, he would have been a real fan if he was in a section over from us. That's for sure. Because it was, we were baking in the sun in center field. Um, something tells me that when you're worth $14 billion, you're never hot. Like, you don't have to be hot. Right. Like, if you're hot, you have someone, you pay someone to fan. Right. <laughs> or carry you around. <laughs> Honestly, and if you have $14 billion and you own the New York Mets, you could probably just ask the people in the ballpark and they'd do it for you, right? Brings a whole yeah. new meaning to the word fans. <laughs> Jesus. Um, nice joke. Well played. That was good. That was like really well formulated. I appreciate that. Um, you should look into stand up comedy. That'd be a good pivot for us if we went into stand up comedy instead of doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I would approach him, I think, because yeah. now I may need a comparable amount of alcohol to the amount of alcohol that I had yesterday, which to be clear was not the right amount of alcohol for a baseball <laughs> game that I was going to sit in the sun for. Um, and was also at 1.40 p.m. on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But he seems very approachable. Right. I've never met him. I don't think that I know anybody who has met him. However, from all of the interactions that people have with him and then share them online, it just kind of seems like he's just a weirdo fan. Mm-hmm. So I think that we'd have a lot to relate. talk about. <laughs> Not John Fisher. <laughs> I think that we'd have a lot to talk about, probably. So are you? would you just like go up to him and talk with him about the Mets? I'd point at him and I'd say, this is the year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I've made that joke on the podcast yet, so people might be very confused. But yeah, I'd point at him and I'd say, this is the year. Like, would you go for No, it? I think I would be like, what's Fred Wilpon like? <laughs> You're the only person intel? who has the real true perspective on what Fred Wilpon is like. You're doing like a like an interview, but he doesn't know it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He doesn't know that I'm gonna subsequently talk about this on my podcast. Right. Exactly. That's just freedom of speech. Steve. That is freedom I don't know what speech. to tell you. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Um I do sort of feel like like I think he would still take the unionize the miners photo with me. Like I don't think yeah, like he even would, if he noticed it. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he would. Yeah. He's just a he's just a fun guy like that, you know? Right. He's not afraid of the optics. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I, sometimes, sometimes to his detriment. Sometimes that means taking a photo with a 26-year-old kid wearing a unionized minor shirt. And yeah. sometimes that means a $2 billion fine to the SEC. Yeah. Sometimes that means tweeting out that you you see your draft picks as like stocks. Yeah. Right? Sometimes that means a class action lawsuit for sexual harassment at your, <laughs> at your hedge fund. Yikes. Um, I would do the photo though mm-hmm. to answer despite all of the things that we just said <laughs> but you've already stolen the like ironic 
owner, bumbling owner who doesn't realize he's taking a photo with a guy that wants to abolish him. So I think I'd have to put like my own little spin on it. Like maybe like say, Steve, can you raise your fist with me? <laughs> and then it really looks like he's showing solidarity. Steve, this is a thing on Mets Twitter. I don't know if you've heard about it before, but you raise your your hand and say, you have only your, your chains to lose. <laughs> Steve, can you smile and say, workers of the world unite? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, can you wave this flag real quick? It's like hammer and sickle in Mets colors. I have to think about that, but if listeners have ideas for what I could do when I inevitably... I mean, I feel like you've set it into motion now, like the domino has fallen. So in this multiverse that we're living in, I will meet Steve Cohen. Yeah, I I think so. I will do it. Well, Um, and I want to encourage our listeners, if you see an owner at a baseball game. And if you're wearing Timmy Pitch's merch. Do your part. Yeah, do your part. And also, specifically, if you see John Fisher, you should say, there's this podcast that I absolutely love. It really helps me connect to baseball. It really helps me, you know, to to stay within myself as an A's fan when we have like a down year. And that host told a story about meeting you a couple of weeks ago. And I really think that you should go on that podcast. I really think that it would be just an awesome conversation. <laughs> Please help us book John Fisher. <laughs> this is how it starts, right? This, is, this actually is I, are, We are now closer to getting John Fisher on the podcast than Bernie Sanders, who we've been joking about for like three years at this point. I think we're equally close. Yeah? Equally close. Neither of us have met Bernie Sanders, <laughs> but we're equally close. That's true. It feels like you might be In that we have to... a, a topic to talk about Bernie Sanders with. Right. Like, there's some common ground there. If John Fisher's publicist provided that he has one of those, mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. If John Fisher's fixer emails us and says, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> what do you say? The economics of baseball? Say, what moisturizer do you use, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I had, uh, the evolving world of baseball economics and finance and the updated role of the owner within that world. <laughs> See, already right there, I think you'd be like, nope, <laughs> fuck, not interested. Okay, but the trouble is, we don't know if he wants to talk about baseball either. Right. So, like, if you were like, yeah, I want to talk about um, the A's return in the Matt Olson trade, he'd probably be like, okay, let me forward you David Forster's email. Right, like, yeah. no, that wouldn't work either. So, again, we need some listener submissions on that. This is now officially... The longest podcast intro ever. This is ridiculous. And I have loved every second of it. I'm so happy that I didn't ask you any of this stuff in advance. I know. This was good. Like, truly, this is not a podcast bit. I stopped people from talking about it yesterday at the, at the Mets tailgate. <laughs> um, we do have other things to talk about, thankfully. I, I mean, unless you want us to keep talking about this, in which case, ask us more about it in Slack. I don't really know. Uh, we're going to talk about and just a just a great Rob Manfred interview. Just great journalism by ESPN. The expansion of Major League Baseball. The carrying of water for Rob. Uh, we are also going to have a wonderful interview with Maria Hernandez and Laura Ortiz. Uh, Maria is an organizer with Unite Here Local 11. Laura is a Dodger Stadium concessions worker. Um, and we talked to them about the strike authorization vote that just happened amongst the Dodger Stadium concession workers 
just less than a week ahead of the MLB All-Star Game, which is happening at Dodger Stadium, if you don't know. Um, we talked to them about that strike vote. We talked to them about the bargaining process, the the ever-changing demands on workers, uh, just how much has changed since their contract expired in 2019. A lot of stuff. A really great conversation. You can read more about that um, on Twitter. We retweeted their statement about their strike authorization, and we'll link to that in the bio. But of course, it's better to hear it straight from the sources, and this conversation was really great, and we're very thankful for them um, coming on. So all of that is coming up, and then a couple listener questions at the end, since we basically left us ourselves no time for that. Uh, but before we get to that, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm John Fisher's friend, Alex Basley. <laughs> and you're listening to Tipping Pitches. Okay, Alex, let's speed through the newsier topics before we get to our conversation with Laura and Maria. First one I wanted to talk to with you talk with you about is I guess the interview that Rob Manfred gave in ESPN, but not really the interview and not not really any of the article because it was um a whole lot of not interrogating statements that Rob was making, but one little tidbit from it which was that Manfred said that they were interested in expanding to 32 teams and they were interested in that expansion happening in a, on a pretty short timeline. Um, and the reason I wanted to ask you and talk about this is because there are kind of two very divergent paths that this expansion can take. And both of those paths depend pretty directly on what happens to the MLB antitrust exemption. Um, and the reason that I say this is because as it currently stands, if MLB keeps their antitrust exemption as is, which it seems likely that they will keep it all the way up until when they expand, unless the Supreme Court is going to overturn the antitrust exemption expeditiously, which is which I suppose is a possibility, but doesn't seem likely. If they keep it, then they can just choose which two cities they expand to. Just with no process, they can just say, award the bid to the Dave Dombrowski group in Nashville and another city and any ownership group at kind of at their behest. They don't have to go through any sort of process. And if they lose their antitrust exemption, they do have to field competitive offers from basically any city in the United States of America. And I think I'll say for myself personally, obviously I want the antitrust exemption to go away, but filtered through the lens of MLB expansion, it will be so much more useful to the health of baseball for the expansion process to be done in the latter manner. For us to see cities put together reasonable bids to get an MLB team and have to make a case for why, and then for the wider media and the wider baseball world and and fans to collectively interrogate what that would mean for the health of the league and what that would mean for the future direction of the league. I just think it's a little frustrating that that's probably not going to happen. And it's frustrating that MLB expansion is just going to go like everything else goes in MLB, which is 32 people are going to get together in a room and say what helps our bottom line the most. And it's not actually going to be any kind of constructive jumping off point, any kind of constructive catapult for the future of Major League Baseball. Right. Well, and I think looming just as large 
and probably even larger over this than the antitrust exemption is the fact that the A's and the Rays are still undecided about what their futures are going to look like, right? Which Manfred has has said repeatedly he wants to get resolved before turning to expansion, which means even if this is something that they want to do relatively soon, because why not? Because that's a couple billion dollars to each ownership group as a result of expansion. The snail's pace at which the situations in both Oakland and Tampa Bay have moved leads me to think we're maybe not going to get a serious conversation about this for a few years at least, right? And I generally remain pretty skeptical that the antitrust exemption is going to be completely overturned anytime soon. Yeah. And I'll say on that really quickly, which I forgot mm -hmm. to mention. Yeah. Uh, We saw Harry Marino's response to the Senate Judiciary Committee's letter to Harry and Advocates for Minor Leaguers, which we spent all of last week's episode talking about. Harry put together a detailed response back to the Senate Judiciary Committee. And honestly, it seems like the thing that has momentum right now is a as the committee tipped their hand at the thing that has momentum right now, I guess, politically and process wise is a Kurt flood act style thing for minor leaguers. So that they, right. we can prevent that mistreatment on a faster timeline than outright repealing MLB's antitrust exemption, which would prevent the sort of monopolistic behavior with regards to geography and region and stadiums and that sort of thing. Right. So, which is frustrating to be honest, like we don't have time right now because we spent 45 minutes talking about John Fisher's soft hands, but that's very frustrating to me. Yeah, it is. It also isn't particularly surprising, I don't think, given no. given the amount of money that flows into Congress from Major League Baseball and its respective owners, right? Um they're not going to they're not going to stab them in the back and twist the knife at the same time. They might just <laughs> like, you know, maybe give them a little slice. Right, exactly. Just a little nudge, you know, a love tap. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see where this kind of goes because there are some really interesting options out there for relocation targets. And this is also a really interesting opportunity to try and grow the game a little bit. Yeah. Expanding to markets that may have been devoid of, you know, Major League Baseball up until this point. There are, you know, domestic uh options like you mentioned nashville being one i know that in the past i mean obviously las vegas is clearly a somewhat viable option at the moment although until the situation with the a's gets resolved it's it's obviously not yeah um portland has been talked about in the past as well um and then there are international options right there's montreal there's i know people in the past have talked about mexico city as well yeah which are a couple of locations that I think would do wonders just broadening the the appeal and the visibility of the stars in the game right now, right? I remain skeptical despite Manfred's, you know, professed desire to expand. I really remain kind of skeptical that this is going to 
happen anytime soon. I know. When you were saying that Manfred made has made clear on multiple occasions, in multiple interviews, including the one that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Athletics Evangelic, that the A's and Rays stadium situation takes precedent because... Honestly, like this is the subtext of this. Rob Manfred would never frame it this way, but the subtext of it is that it's probably really hard to bully four city councils at the same time. Like right. Rob Manfred is only one person. Yeah. Well, and you know, I whether there's an antitrust exemption in place or not, there are still going to be courting offers from cities, right? And yeah. and you know, so, someone they're just not going to choose hitting the best them against one. each other, right? Exactly. <laughs> but you're still going to be kind of playing that game of going back back and forth between Nashville and Montreal and Portland and Las Vegas and saying yeah, what it. what can you do for me now I will say I don't have anything against Las Vegas mm-hmm. oh I do it's fine I don't have anything against the people of Las Vegas it's who fair who who like seem to really like sports you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> in their own little way <laughs> um and you know the Las Vegas Golden Knights seemed the hockey team that expanded um, a few years ago seemed to be like a, a community fandom success story. I don't know enough about hockey to say whether it's like an equity success story. It seems unlikely. But adding a hockey team uh, just a couple weeks ago, or I guess just last week now, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, confirmed that there will be two expansion teams in the next five years. I don't know if he actually put that time frame on it, but it basically seems very likely to happen within the next five years. And that one of those teams will be going to Las Vegas and will be owned or co-owned by LeBron James, which I don't know how that's not an antitrust violation, but (laughs) it's it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, I don't know that. I don't think Adam Silver actually explicitly said that this is just the reporting and rumors swirling around this. Um, it just feels um, a little bit corrupt for three professional sports teams to end up in Las Vegas in the span of 10 years. And I guess I don't really care for my league to be part of that. You know, yeah. that's not even to make a value judgment on whether or not there should be a baseball team in Las Vegas. But it's just to say, if Las Vegas gets a team while they're like making all of these concessions to get two other teams because they think that it's going to be a financial boon for them with the windfall of the legalization of sports betting happening all at the same time, everything's turning up Las Vegas. But, and I didn't even mention the Raiders, so this would be their fourth team, actually. Um, But it just seems like, can any other city exist? Can any other city have an equal chance to get a team? Or is it just rigged because the mayor of Las Vegas doesn't seem to care about giving public money? The city council seems amenable to sweetening the deal any way they need to to get these teams to come here because they didn't have any teams 15 years ago. And now they have three, maybe four. So I don't know. I, it just, it just doesn't seem like the thing that will grow the game the most. It just, it seems like the thing that will be the best financial option for major league baseball and its ownership partners. And I honestly don't care about that at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't think, it, it will be enough of a financial windfall to the owners no matter where they put a team. So you might as well just make the decision that is best for growing the game. You would think, <laughs> Bobby. Yeah, I would think. Um, okay, let's let's go to our conversation with uh, Laura and Maria from United Here Local 11. 
Okay, we are now joined by two folks from Unite Here, Local 11, the union that represents Dodger Stadium concession workers. We're joined by Maria Hernandez from the union and Laura Ortiz, who is a Dodgers concessions worker. Hello. Thank you both so much for joining the show. It's great to have you. Hi, thank you for having us. I want to start with like the bullet points of what is going on right now, because I feel like a lot of people um, are just learning about this as we are very quickly. And the this that I'm referring to is the 99% authorized strike vote by Dodger Stadium concession workers. Um, this strike can go in effect at any point at this at this time. Um, and it's obviously comes at a very critical time for Dodger Stadium and for Major League Baseball with the All-Star Game coming to Dodger Stadium in, I guess, less than a week's time at this point. Um, so I want to hear from your perspective, either of you, whoever wants to take this one first, um, what's going on right now? Like what the bargaining process has been like, where you are in those stages, and just more generally, like what the what the conditions are like that are sort of necessitating this kind of labor confrontation as we head into such an important moment for Dodger, Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I, I can help give um, some... You know, information for folks listening to, to know what's going on. Um, so our union, we're Unite Here Local 11. Um, we generally represent over 32,000 workers in hospitality, uh, stadiums, event centers, right, across Southern California and Arizona. Um, specifically at Dodger Stadium, we represent about 1,500 um, concessions workers. So that's anybody that serves you a beer, that makes you your Dodger dog, right from the premium suites to the stands, to the cashiers, uh, even to the warehouse, right? So really anything that has to do with food um, uh, and beverage, those are Unite Here Local 11 numbers that you you know are interacting with. Um, and so to kind of go back a little bit, um, so in 2019, um, the contract, right, with the workers, with them, um, you know, basically expired. Um, and so to give a little bit more background as well, um, the workers that work at Dodger Stadium, the concessions workers, are employed or they're contracted through Levy Restaurants, which is a subsidiary um, a company with a Compass Group, which is, I believe, the sixth largest company in the world. They're really big. Um, and, you know, they also have many other venues. Um, but at, you know, Dodger Stadium... We represent about 1,500 of those workers. Um, and, you know, 2019 came, um, you know, and, you know, contract pretty much expired. And in 2020, there was no games, right? There were no people working. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, all this time, the last couple of years, since 2019, we have been in, we have been in discussions, right? About various things, uh, you know, with a, with a company. Um, you know, in 2021, we were all trying to figure out how do we reopen, right? How do we reopen safely? You know, are there going to be fans in the stands? Like, what is that going to look like for the workers, right? And so now, you know, in 2022, um, you know, folks, you know, like Laura chose to take the step because, you know, as so many events are coming to LA, right? This is just one. Um, you have the Olympics <laughs> in 2028. You have yeah. the FIFA, right? World Cup as well. Uh, you have so many things. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that sports are back, baby. They are back. But yet nobody is talking about the concessions workers, right? Well, the how people are they who are actually bringing them back, the people right? people that are bringing you your dog, your dog, the people that are bringing you your beer, the people that are throwing you the peanuts, 
right? How are they going to, how are they faring? How are they going to get through what for many of us has been one of the toughest couple years, right? We've all experienced a deadly pandemic together. And so, you know, workers are asking that now is their time, right? They, they want the company to do better. They want Compass Group and Levy to do better because as a matter of fact, they can. Um, you know, and, and I'll let, I'll let Laura share a little bit about what it's like for her. You know, I think, I think she can do a really good job of just sharing what she has to go through, even just to like keep her healthcare. Yeah. Right. Because we know, um, you know, Dodgers are through seasons, right. It's not all year. And so she's having to sometimes at times go to 10 different venues to try to scrape enough hours to keep her health insurance for that month. Right. Um, and it's, you know, she's a single mom. It's, it's devastating. Right. But, um, you know, I'll let her talk a little bit about what that's been like for her. Um, because that's the other thing about this is that, you know, all you see as, as fans, right. Is you see your Dodger dog, you see your nachos, you see that beer, right. You go to have fun and we all do. Right. But do you, do folks really know what, how the people behind those stands are faring, right. And what they have to do to survive and to make ends meet. And so, you know, I'll let, I'll let Laura share a little bit about, you know, um, how hard it is, how hard it's been for her. Yeah, Laura, I mean, we would love to hear just about, you know, what kind of work you do as a concession worker at Dutter Stadium. I know I mentioned that up top, but specifically what you do in your in your role there and how long you've been working there and just like how you got into this work and, and what makes you, I guess, so passionate about defending the dignity of that work yeah, as you are I, being a member there. That's really, I because what, what strikes me about a lot of this, right, is that, you know, I mean, you're you're not only willing to kind of participate in this sort of movement, but actually kind of go out there, right? And and talk to people like us who have far less insight into this um, than folks like you do, right? Um, because it's something you do feel passionate about, right? So like like Bobby said, we'd love to, to hear from you about your background a little bit. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate that you guys uh, got interested, you know, in our, you know, environment because it's really... Um, it's uh, it's more passion, you know, make me to feel more passionate about all this because, you know, the hospitality industry, it's, you know, the main uh, source of Los Angeles, especially because we, it's all about, you know, it's all about people who's coming to visit a place to going to, you know, enjoy the game, to go into the hotels and it's all hospitality. You know, you're going to find people from local 11 everywhere, pretty much. I make the drinks and been in, the, in this business uh, since 2000. So it's 22 years so far. And I, I really like it because I, I like to be in touch with my, you know, with the customers. I really like the people when, you know, you're going somewhere and you enjoy it, you know, your dinner or your game and you have fun people, you know, giving you your drinks, like I, like, a, like Maria said, you know, giving you a hot dog, you know, you can see when the people is happy when you're working, you know, but you know, sometimes the work conditions are not the, the best. They don't have the equipment that we need. They don't have, you know, they don't give us enough time to, to set up, you know, even the parking is too far. So you have to struggle with those things, you know, even leaving your family on the holidays because, you know, who wants to be, and you know, in the Christmas day um, and, uh, and, uh, and the Staples Center, you know, taking care of the customers for a lake event, but somebody has to do it, right? And we are yeah. passionate, we like customers, so we love to do all the, that job, but we that the company needs to recognize all that effort that we do and they can do more for us 
because I, I don't think that's enough. We don't have enough, enough money to, to have a decent life. We need to have a decent parking to, you know, where we can park close to the, to, to the venue because Los Angeles is crazy about parking. You know what I, you know what I'm talking about? So we're not able to pay and yeah. we're, we're, we're spending like an hour or hour and a half in order to get there in another hour and a half to get off. So it's too much. And then we, it's long hours. It's eight hour shifts. Again, we're doing all this because we like what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we know that the company, you know, Levy and Compass can do better for the employees. And we have the perfect example with SoFi. So they have a great contract. So they give the money, they give the benefits that the employees need. Now you're going to see that that's the standard because Dodger Stadium used to be the standard for all the, the for all the stadiums in Los Angeles because we used to have the best contract. And it's not, it's not there anymore. So. Um, that's why we have this fight with them. This is not from, from today or yesterday. This has been happening for a long, long time. So this is the time where they have to listen to us because they haven't listened to us enough. You know, and like, again, we deserve a decent life. We deserve a decent income because we've been loyal with this company. Most of the employees, you know, I am 22 years. You can see employees with 32 years of service, 35 years of service. You know, loyal to this company, loyal to this, um, you know, to the fans, because we love Dodgers. We love the fans. We want to make it happen. You know, we want to make them happy, but we need the company to back our, you know, our families and, you know, give us a better um, income to, you know, so we have a decent life. And yeah. again, and it, I'm sorry, just one more thing about of course, yeah. all the that uh, we have in Los Angeles, uh, they're running from, you know, the same company. And when Dodgers are off a season, I have to go to, uh, I'm going to give you an example, the Rose Bowl. So those hours is the same employees who are going from one place to another. Why my benefits have to change or my income had to get lower, even lower when I'm going to Rose Bowl. If you know, we're working hard as, you know, as, as Dodgers, it's pretty much the same employees, but we're not able to keep our insurance because Rose Bowl have no benefits, have no insurance, have no good um, salary. So I think if they need to unit, you know, they need to unite every every venue and have the same standard, have good standards and salaries and benefits for everyone, not just yeah. for because it, it's the same employees. We're just going to one place to another. I have to work in like a seven, ten different venues in order to to have my uh, hours enough to get to keep my insurance, keep all my benefits. And that's not fair. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I think one of the things that struck me about what both of you talked about is just, Laura, how, how long you've been working there. But then also, Maria, you mentioned that the contract expired in 2019 and just how much has changed in that amount of time and how it's, it's you know, pay and healthcare and things like that. The world has changed a lot around those and those policies need to be updated as well. And I don't know, you, you don't need to get super duper deep into like what's on the table and what's been going back and forth, because I know a lot of that will change before you come to an agreement. But I guess, you know, Laura, you mentioned SoFi Stadium. What kind of is like the golden standard and things that you're trying to fight for and things that I think that the public can also obviously sympathize and empathize with and trying to fight for and earn in their own jobs? Yeah, if I can just add to that just quickly. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, so I mean, this is their first contract. They won a record-setting contract. You know, they won incredible, obviously incredible raises, right? Incredible benefits. Um, I believe by the end of the contract, if you're a worker, that you'll probably be making like $30 an hour, right? Just like life-changing for folks. Um, but I think the biggest thing that 
you know, folks were able to win in their contract there was kind of something loud as alluding to a little bit with having to go to like even sometimes seven different places to try to keep up the hours to maintain her health care is that, you know, if you're, you know, able to go, let's say whatever, you know, the company there, I, I believe it's Legends, right? SFI Stadium, they were able to win language that says like, look, no matter what venue you go to that that's ours, you'll get your same standard. Right. So you won't have to be kind of scraping, oh, do I go to Rose Bowl today? Bowl, but if I go there, it's not going to count towards my health care. It's not going to count towards my pension. Right. Having a piecemeal together, honestly, just these basic protections, right? That every every human should have. Um, and that's something Laura has been has had to do for so many years, right? Having to go from one stadium or one venue to the other, trying to piecemeal together. If I work here, am I going to be able to have enough hours for my healthcare this month? I don't know, right? And so being able to 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 win that standard, um, so that you know, if she does have to go to a different venue, her you know benefits and things like that can can count. You know, the hours that she works can count towards toward her towards her benefits, um, which right now is just not the case. Um, and it's 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 about time, right? Like the company, you know, Compass Levy, like they know. They know what we're asking for. They know what we want. Um, and, you know, workers took the brave step to authorize a strike. It's not easy, right, to want to do that. It's it's not like you want to, to go on strike, right? But the necessity of folks like Laura, you know, folks are fed up um, and they're willing to do whatever it takes um, to, to get what they deserve, to get the respect and the respectable wages, the respectable benefits that they honestly have earned, right? With so many years of service um, into this company. And, you know, we hope we hope that they'll do the right thing. You know, we sent the company a proposal about a week ago. We have not heard back, right? So I think we'll you might hear back there. now. That's my theory. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But I think that this step might be a reason for them to respond back now, hopefully. We hope so. We hope so. <laughs> I the the timing of this especially is really is really interesting to me also you know obviously with the with the All-Star game coming up at at Dodger Stadium right this kind of marquee event for for the sport at large right um I it definitely feels like a you know the kind of kind of thing that will loom large over um the the heads of not not only the uh you know the larger kind of concessions uh hospitality companies but but the the team itself right it wants to be able to kind of put on this this show for fans that obviously includes the hard hard work of um of concessions workers and i you know obviously this past baseball off season was was defined by the this lockout right this kind of impasse between the owners and the players and it was it was massive right i mean it it defined the the better part of four or five months right and and it was you know the only thing the fans could could talk about i'm curious kind of um what's next for you guys as far as kind of rallying support uh around this um because obviously you you know you do the work at the bargaining table but it doesn't end there right it's i think uh I mean, I'd love to hear your guys' perspective, but I imagine a lot of it is kind of rallying that that public opinion because because the fans have the possibility to um, to to sway things here as well. So, I if either one of you guys could speak to that, 
Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just, we do want to give a great shout out to the MLB PA. They've been incredible. They, you know, they earlier today, they put out a statement in support um, of, of, you know, Dodger Stadium concessions workers. And, you know, we were, we stood behind them right throughout the lockout because we understand um, that it, it takes all of us, right? It takes anybody from the, you know, obviously the fans, right? But, you know, the person serving you your, your Dodger dog, serving you your beer to the person on the field hitting the home run, right? To provide that experience for the fans that they love so much. Um, and so we do want to just give a shout out to, to them. They, they've been, you know, incredible and supportive, um, you know, as, as we've, as we've announced this. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, to, to answer your question, I mean, we don't, we don't know what's next, right? Like we hope that the company will, 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 you know, respond. Um, we hope they do. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch with you all as, as things progress. Um, but, you know, as of right now, you know, a strike could, could happen at, at any day. Before we before we let you both go, I just want to ask Laura, how is the the kind of um, sentiment among the the workers right now? What is the is there a kind of um, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of solidarity that you all are are feeling with each other right now. Um, is this is this giving you you know kind of um, I don't know. I, I a boost in the in the work that you're doing. Are you? Is there? Is there? Has there been kind of a tonal shift as you guys have have communed both with each other and and fans? How are you? How are you all feeling about all of this? No, we actually got more united right now because again we're gonna send this strong message to our company mm-hmm. and we feel the support from you know from from you especially you know because you, when you are introduced her story that shows support and we really appreciate that all the employees were. Uh, we we don't want to do this, you know. We, we because again, we feel that we're gonna respect our fans. We're gonna respect, you know, the you know the the baseball environment. But at the same time, you know, we have to do whatever we have to do in order to have a yeah. better a better life. So mm-hmm. uh, this is a strong message for for this company. So if they really care about you know the baseball, if they really care about the venues, if they really care about the employees, they will answer to our petitions. And thank you again so much for for your time. And we're gonna keep strong. We we're you know finally a little sad about this, but we had to keep strong. And we send in the message, and we have to do a strike. We're all ready for it. We are ready for it. Solidarity with all of you, um, your coworkers, and all the organizers at Unite here at Local Eleven. Laura, Maria, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you know I'm Okay, Alex, thank you to Maria and Laura. Much solidarity with United Here Local 11. Um, we anxiously await to see how the businesses respond to workers asking for their dignity. And we support them in the meantime and even after that. And of course, if there's any, as Maria alluded to, if there's anything else that listeners or us can do to help support them, they're going to let us know and then we will in turn let everybody else know. Uh, do you want to do you want to close out this week's episode with a few listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. Can I ask him this week? Yes, I would love if you asked them. <laughs> Please be the avatar for our wonderful listeners, whom I forgot to mention. 
the new patrons at the beginning of this episode. I was so distracted by our, our new big patron, John Fisher, that I didn't mention our actual patrons, Joey, Christina, and Aaron. Thank you for signing up in the past two weeks while we have been away. Okay, let's do, let's do a couple of listener questions. And these are all from the Slack, if I am not mistaken. These are all from the Slack. That Slack is popping off. If you want access to the Slack. The Slack is insane. It's insane. Patreon.com slash tipping pitches. Insane in a good way. Like it has, it's a fucking hive mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. These are the conversations Anything that happens. are just too out there for Twitter. Anything happens in baseball, it's discussed. Mm-hmm. Anything happens outside of baseball. Outside baseball. It's arguably well. also discussed. Yeah. Okay. I got three questions for you. All right. Okay, great. Our first one comes from friend of the pod, Jess. She wants to know. Why can you say you're going to a Yankee game, but you would never say you're going to a Philly or Cardinal game? Real grammar hours. Incredible. Out here. Hits bong once. <laughs> Goes to the tipping pitches slack question. Thank you, Jess. Um, I think I might say that I'm going to the Cardinal game. Really? You know, as I think about it, I think maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. But someone who might say I'm going to the Yankee game might say I'm going to the Cardinal game. Right. You can't say I'm going to the Met game. That just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, I'm trying to think. It like, sounds like some kind of party that happens after the Met Gala. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I, like, what I say when I am going to a Yankees game. I'm fairly certain I keep it plural. But, you know, like. Grammar and like singular versus plural when it comes to team names is always so is already like so far out there, right? You have you have sports teams who are named after like in theory like singular entities that are just you know like the Jazz. That's that's not you can't name your team after that, but here we are, (laughs) the Avalanche. You know. Wow, you're already going outside the confines of Major League Baseball. You're you're adding you're adding in more complication than needs okay, to be. Okay, what I'm we need sorry. to do right now is go through all 30 teams and determine <laughs> oh which ones God. you can singularize, singularize and which ones you can pluralize. Yankee game. Well, well, because it Red Sox game. I mean, no. you can you can because you Ray can game. Sing, you can singularize. That's a word, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Singularize? Yeah. You can pluralize something. Why can't you fucking singularize it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Why can you say Yankee game but not Cardinal game? <laughs> we are reaching absolute unhinged levels this of tipping pitches this talk. Is brutal. Yeah. No, uh, this is good. I oh it's I mean, I love this. I mean, you could because you can singularize them when you're talking the more about, you say it, the more I'm convinced it's real. <laughs> I think that's real. When you when you're talking about them if you're they're a player, right? You would say, Oh, he's a Met, right? He's a Cardinal, he's a Philly. That's yeah, because that's saving you words. You, otherwise, you have to say he's on the Mets. Right. Or he's a member of the Mets. Right. So, but it, it's interesting to me that the the context in which you are using the noun determines whether or not it's it's okay to to use it as singular or singularize or it. Yeah. To singularize it. I'm going to the Blue Jay game. No, you're not. Blue Jay game. No. Nope. Nope. You're not going to the Oriole game either. Although, uh, I might go to the Oriole game. Yeah, I think I might. Am I going to the twin game? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Here's an interesting one. Am I going to the Guardian game? No. No, I don't think I am. 
White Sox, no. Tiger Game? Sounds like the next Netflix hit. <laughs> you thought the, I was joking I, when I said I was going to read all the I know, of the I really names. did. I would go, I'm going to the Tiger Game. No, I'm not. No, never mind. Yeah. No. This is just the, the entire segment here is just us saying, I'm going to the blank game and seeing whether or not it sounds good. I'm not going to the Royal game. Sounds like something that happens in London. <laughs> not going to the Astro game. Not going to the. I might go to the Mariner game. Yep. Uh huh. I know no words there, but no I'll, reason I'll why. Go to the but Mariner you game. might go to the Mariner game. Are you going to go to the Ranger game? This is like I, that game that you played when you were a kid and you, there's like one dumb rule. <laughs> and like you go around in a circle right, and you, you say, have to figure out can I bring grapes to the picnic? <laughs> and everybody's like, no, you can't bring grapes to the picnic. Yeah. And the kid's like, fuck, yeah. like, why can't I bring grapes to the picnic? <laughs> what about cherry tomatoes? <laughs> yeah, of course you can bring cherry tomatoes. <laughs> um, I would go to the Ranger game. Okay. I wouldn't. But I'll go to the Angel game. Yeah, me too. You're not going to go to the athletic game, but that's that's the one that you absolutely above all will not go absolutely. to the athletic I'm not, game. I'm not going to the A game. Okay, that's the AL. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are there any others? Are there any others from the NL? Not going to the No, Met, Brave, Philly, Marlin, National. I'm going to the National I'm game. The National absolutely game. not. Brewer. Brewer. I'm going to the Brewer game. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cardinal, we already had that conversation. The pirate game, fuck no. I would say the Cardinal game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agreed. I said that, and you said no. Not five minutes ago, you told me that you were not going to the Cardinal game. Well, now you're changing the rules on me. I don't think I, Jess said that. Jess Jess is wrong. In her, Jess is wrong. On blast. Cub game, I weirdly feel like yes. I kind of feel like, like, no. Because you've you've just cut off a quarter of the team name with that. <laughs> Great point. Just a phenomenal point. Uh, I would go to the red game, but not for baseball. <laughs> like the red game where we overthrow, uh-huh. start the revolution. Yeah, that's good. Dodger game, of course, yes. That's yes. A yes. Yeah. Padre game, no. Nope. Giant game, no. Rocky game, no. Diamondback game, a resounding no. So that's it. Dodger, Yankee. Cardinal. Cardinal, Brewer. Ranger? Ran- you said no to Ranger. Right. Mariner was a yes for both of us. And that's it. So so we've successfully determined. We've put them into two categories. Is there... No. Is it just a feel thing? It's a feel thing. Okay. And honestly, like if English is your second language, it's a feel thing is a pretty good rule for learning how to speak English. Right. Because English is a stupid ass language. And it's bad. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. Yeah. Bad language to learn. And you know what? Knowing English as your first language makes it harder to learn other languages too, because the rules here are not right. Mm-hmm. And therefore you can't be like, oh, I know this in English. I'll think about it in Italian. Because in Italian, they do it correctly. Yeah. And here we don't. Yeah. So this has been Linguistics with Alex and Bobby. Jess, right. thank you for asking. Can we, can we go to the next question now? Such a good question. See, we need questions like that. Mm-hmm. If you can think of questions like that, just drop them in the Slack. Okay, we're, we're going to do an about face now and ask a baseball question. Hardcore baseball. We went from linguistics to baseball. All right. Great. Sorry, you got to turn that part of your brain back on. I know you turned it off. For like 14 days. Yeah. Lizzie is curious. Three players with less than three years of service time that are going into the Hall of Fame. Just off top, off dome. 
That's so hard. It's it's amazingly hard. The hardest part of this question for me was who has Knowing three years of service time. Yeah. I was I was thinking about I mean, I had the benefit of thinking about this as I was writing this question down. So I want to let you go first because I feel like there's actually a there are only a few like great answers, I think. Like there are only four or five players that I think like most baseball fans would universally agree on like yes like keeps up his pace does his thing hall of fame so does three count three on the dot or does it have to be less than three years i know i know lizzie phrased it as less than three years but i'll make the executive decision that yes three on the dot counts but i don't want any of this 3.001 right i don't want three years in one day it's three or under uh my first answer is vladimir guerrero jr duh yeah, he's going in the hall. Yep. He's, he's like arguably without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's always a doubt. Like, he's only, by definitionally, he's only played less than three years. Well, so that's true. Anything could happen, but he's currently at 2.157 years of service time. Um, the first person I thought of for this was Fernando Tatis Jr., but I don't know if he's going in the Hall of Fame. Like, I think he's probably will be too hurt to, to put together yeah. a resume to make the Hall of Fame at shortstop, right. which is hard. He also has more than three years of service time. He has three he? on the dot because the, the Padres didn't monkey with his service time. He started the year in 2019. And because he because he was only on the injured list and they never actually sent him back down for any of his injuries or, injuries or anything like that, right. he has three exact on the dot. Gotcha. 19, 20, and 21. He hasn't played yet this year. Um, yeah, that's sad to think about, really. I know. Uh, do you have Do you have anyone else? Because like Otani has four. Right. Otherwise, he would be the first. He's the first person I thought of, but he has exactly four. I mean, the other person that came to mind initially is Wander Franco. Again, with with the grain of salt that like trying to say that any player who has been in the league for a year is going to be in the Hall of Fame is just like a case you cannot make. Right? There's no reasonable case to say like yes, he will be at that level. But just as in terms of like the level of pure like athleticism and baseball IQ yeah. at such a young age, it's the kind of like that's the kind of player that ages very well and can adapt himself to the way the game changes, which is why I would like to think that he has a good case for it. He's probably the next best bet because, you know, like there's a whole subset of players in the hall who like maybe never peaked as high as guys like Ken Griffey Jr. but amassed so much war and now that we have like the statistical language to talk about that it helps their case it's like Tim Raines is like one of those Mm -hmm. guys too and I think that Wander would probably benefit from that but if I had to bet my life on it I would probably bet no for Wander Though I think he is probably one of the better candidates with less than three years. Do you think that he's more of kind of like a like a better, just like overall baseball player with like great tools, but not necessarily one that puts him above the rest of the pack? I think he will be one of the best players in baseball for the next decade. But the, the, the criteria is so high to make it into the Hall of Fame. Like yeah. it's crazy high. And I guess there's like more big hall people now than there used to be. But unless all of the small hall people are dying <laughs> which <laughs> some of them just refuse you know um i don't even know do you think adley rutschman will make the hall of fame 
No. No. He's like 26 already. Yeah. Uh, It's also just so hard to say with a player who hasn't faced big league pitching yet, or at least in like an Adley's case, has faced minimal big league pitching because you really have nothing to go off of as to how his skills stand out. I got one for you. Okay. Julio Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wrote that down. I think he will make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He's so good. He's incredibly good. And he's so damn young mm-hmm. that even if he has an eight-year peak starting now and then is worse for the rest of that, he will still be you know, only 29. Yeah. So he'll still be able to play for eight more years after that, God willing, even if it's not at his peak value. Um, I think he will make it. And I guess for my final one, I don't know. It's like, for me, it's like a toss-up between Wander and Bobby Witt Jr. Mm. I think Bobby Witt Jr. has Hall of Fame potential. Yeah. Because when you hit for that much power at a middle infield position, you are extremely rare. Like, that is why A-Rod is one of the five best players ever. Because he is also one of the five greatest power hitters ever. And played a very good shortstop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that just allows you the ability to amass so much value for your team and to stand out from the pack from the, like the large, large, large majority of major league shortstops that I think gives him for me, like a potential that I don't see wander having. Right. There might be people listening to this who are like saber people who are like you're an idiot it's like obviously wander he's like the best prospect ever and Mm -hmm. he's he his tools project to age really well but i don't know something about it just doesn't seem like it will happen to me but i don't know i here's the thing is he plays for the rays so he's going to be amazing for at least the next four years (laughs) who's to say what happens after that can i add one more name no dude he signed a 10-year extension don't you remember that no i don't (laughs) Okay, gonna, one more name. I'm going to add one more name, and then we're going to do one more question and get out of here. Okay. This might be controversial. Jordan Alvarez. He has more than three years of service time. I don't think he does. Because he he has two years and 113 days. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, I was just kind of writing him off because I thought, it feels like he's been around for longer than that. It, it really does. It's wild that he's only 25. Mm-hmm. I he's just born a whole year after me. <laughs> that's, that's like here is a man who I mean his rookie year was ridiculous right and and, yeah. and the arguably the biggest argument against him is the positional value right largely being a DH or a left fielder occasionally right but like in terms of war defensive metrics or anything like that he's not going to accrue very much value there because he just doesn't have that opportunity right but there is a lane i feel like for him to kind of carve out um like the mold of the modern day dh right and like injuries notwithstanding which is the huge question mark right he's on the il as we speak but there's a there's a path for him to hit like 500 home runs yeah yeah there's a path like, for him. like a willie mccovey kind of player offensively to put up such a resume that it's kind of impossible to leave him out because there's only going to be like 30 other players who have done what he's done in the right of exactly baseball. the problem is well this is this is not actually the problem the the thing that i think could actually count in his favor is there are now twice as many dhs as there were for all of baseball history right since the dh was instituted 
And so I think that there must be a softening of the anti-DH sentiment for the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, you're just going to be leaving out so many good players. Right. Like, there are players who could play the field. And there always have been. But now there are twice as many players who could play the field. But they just don't because their team understands that it's better for them to DH. Right. Like, I don't think Pete Alonso is going to make the Hall of Fame. But if the reason that he didn't make the Hall of Fame was because he didn't amass as much value because he DH'd half the time, I would think that that was kind of a corny argument because he could play first every day. Right. He and it's did it like for the not, first four not, years of his career. to him, right? He's, exactly. he's going out there and doing the best that he can given the circumstances. Exactly. So I think that there will be a sort of logical reason to start accepting more DHs as we start to get more guys who are DH only because the DH has become universal now. Mm-hmm. That I think will help Jordan in the long run. Um, his health makes him sort of a, a tricky bet, though, because like he just doesn't have knees, <laughs> right? That like ligaments in his knees. You mostly, you mostly need those. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> to be the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, yeah. This year, but which is what makes him so interesting. Um, he's freaking amazing to he's watch. Crazy. It's just like you just make your pitch and he just hits it out anyway, right? And so you're just like. All right, I guess I just won't come to the ballpark tomorrow. <laughs> that would be better for me. Um, all right, definitely write in if we missed any. Yeah. Last question for you, and then we have to get out of this close to two hour podcast. It's fine. There was a lot of, you know, interruptions in the middle there. Dan wants to know what would stats for fans look like? What stats should I be tracking as I watch games in person versus on a stream? Um, in the in the thread, he floated some uh, some examples. Win loss record, like personal win loss record, right? So you might be zero and three in. Yeah, I'm one and four with you, the Mets this year. Nice. They're twenty Ooh, games over five hundred. I'm fucking one and four. Tough. They've lost twenty three games. I've been at four of them. Um, this one, he said, highest total one day cost. Don't want to know that. <laughs> Not that I want to know it's that. Easily over two hundred dollars, or, uh, or or drinks per inning. He said he managed uh, a one at a seven inning game last year, which I I don't even I don't even need that. This person, John Fisher's son. Like, <laughs> how did he afford that? Um, those are all great suggestions. Yeah, that you could I mean easily keep yourself if you wanted to. Um, I have this like long running desire that I wish that somebody was keeping stats on my life like in this way you know like not that i want to know them all right but that if i had a question there was some you know like sort of omnipotent <laughs> you were, there was an official score for your that, life that could tell me you know like how many hours did i spend watching the mets right i would like to know how like how like the total amount of time that the team was winning while you were watching versus mm. while they were losing right. so like like how what much, is your sort your of joy to pain ratio yeah what is your like how far in the red are you for your whole life with your baseball team <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> um yeah that that's one for me i think it would be cool to be able to confirm or deny like certain players performances while you're watching them because i think that they, we all have this sort of like internal feeling that oh, some guys are Mets killers when I'm watching them or some guys are A's killers when I'm watching them. And that that's true. Like, you can look up their numbers, their splits against your team, but it's very hard to, like, filter it for when you're actually there. Yeah. Like, you know how many times I watched Jason Wirth, like, personally crush my hopes and dreams? Uh-huh. I know he was a Met killer, but, like, I was there for a lot of them. <laughs> so I'd like to know that just to confirm that I'm not, and I'm not crazy and I'm not, like, you know, having selection bias with my memories, which is probably true also. But right, right. 
How about you? What did you come up with? For me, I'm, and this is maybe more of a personal one, but it's one that you and I have talked about. Um, and that's uh, counting A's hats at uh, oh, at yeah. other teams' stadiums, right? Every where, time. where neither where the A's are not playing a game, right? Yeah, it's kind of like my immaculate inning. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I see one, and I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> no, they're everywhere, dude. Yeah, that's like true. pretty much. These days, it's my no hitter. I'm like, all right, we get it. <laughs> yeah, three quarters of games that I go to, yeah, there's an A's yeah. Um, A's fans, they're everywhere. Not all of them have the guts to walk up to John Fisher, though. <laughs> that's that's for damn sure. Um, I would, you know, what I want to know. Yeah, I, and now we're like into territory of like things that cannot physically be calculated. Like Dan had had great ones that would be very easy to just do in the notes app on your phone. Right, uh-huh. but I want to know about like what's my like jinx factor? Mm. Like how many how many times have I have I jinxed the game? This is I've jinxed every game that the Mets have ever lost in my mind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like even including before I was born. Right, naturally. Yeah. Like, did my rally cap work? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just want to know. <laughs> Oh, if I knew that, it would make me even more neurotic as a baseball. I mean, that you, would, yeah. you, you know that I don't need to know that. Right. That's really almost something you you don't you don't want to know. I'm just now I'm just thinking about how unfortunate it is to watch a baseball game with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like not a fun person to be around <laughs> when the Mets are in high leverage situations. So look over here right now and Edwin Diaz is trying to save game one against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um those are great. I would love to hear listener submissions on this one, though. Yeah, there were some there were some other good suggestions in the Slack, but uh, yeah, definitely write in, y'all, if if there are some other stats that we missed because this is this is good. This is the content we come here for. Tipping underscore pitches on Twitter, tipping pitches pod at gmail dot com seven eight five four two two five eight eight one. If you would like to call into our voicemail and answer any of the questions that we have discussed on this episode, or Mentioned something that I didn't ask Alex about John Fisher. Uh, it's patreon.com backslash tipping pitches. If you would like to sign up for our Patreon, it is three tiers, $5 a month, $7 a month, or $12 a month. You get to choose which one you would like to support if you would like to support us. Uh, the Alex Rodriguez tier is our highest tier. The Alex Rodriguez VIP club tier is our highest tier. And we shout out five of those members at the end of every episode because of their wonderful support for us. Those five members this week are Alexis, Jake, Craig, Ben, and Tristan. Thank you so much for listening to this very long podcast. We'll be back next week. If you were don't see me, I'm going to be with my baby. I am free. Fly in her arms over the sea. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!